everyone. Welcome back to a, another episode of Share the Glow podcast. And as you guys know, it's your host, Jess Michelle, but I am not joined by myself. I got my boy on the line. Shout out to Randy Salazar. Randy, how are you doing? I'm doing well, living the dream. I'm so glad you could do this with me. I was really looking forward to it, y'all. I was actually like nervous to do this episode with him I don't know why but I was like a little nervous (laughs) but I'm so happy to have you on here so for those who don't know Randy Salazar is on his own spiritual journey of exploring his own authenticity and relationship with higher powers he is a lifelong learner and an entrepreneur he has studied international universities has a BA in law actively pursuing a master's degree, all while running his workforce consulting firm, Mission Ladder. He is also dedicated to creating ladders for military-connected individuals and other diversity job seekers in the workforce. He is an avid traveler and wellness enthusiast. Yeah, it sounds so good. (laughs) Oh man. Listen, Words. you you do a lot. You are you are truly amazing. I like you really you. do I'm a humble. lot for the community. And I'm I'm just so grateful to have you. So can you just like expound more about you on your spiritual journey and where you've been as far as where you're at currently? I would love to hear more about that. Absolutely. Uh one, just appreciate you so much. I want to take a minute and say thank you for having me. Uh, you said you're nervous for me. I'm, I'm beyond humbled to even have this, this platform and, and be able to be heard by, by your vast um, following. So I'm, I'm just, I'm excited to be here. Um, my journey, uh, you know, it really, be, it began when I was a young kid. Um, growing up low income, growing up in, in broken homes, like most people, um, you know, a mixed race, African-American, Mexican. And as we had talked before, you know, there was a lot of in the home pressure and racism against my blackness. So at an early age, I knew to just suppress that, but then you add in poverty with that and really society for me, it was, it wasn't so much that I was black or Mexican, given that I grew up in in a small town in Arizona, it was more so that I was poor. It was the haves and the have nots. And I remember as early as eight years old, raising them hands to the air at night, praying to God saying, I don't know who you are or where you're at, but there's gotta be more to life than this. Um, Nine people living in an 800 square foot home. You know, my aunt, she's working, trying to provide, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, just one adult working and and nine people in the home, that's never going to be a a good recipe for success. Um, But, you know, she did her best and we overcame, you know, all the obstacles and, and stuff of society and, um, you know, little things like I remember just being ashamed of free lunch and and standing in that line with that ticket and knowing that, that the, the haves, they had that dollar bill, you know, for their lunch. Um, so fast forward for me, uh, it created this this overwhelming sense of, of work that I was going to out hustle uh, and outwork poverty. And and I tried some things that were not so legal, and I, and I tried some things that were legal, and you know through middle school and high school, and and really just started this hustle mindset. And around my junior year of high school, I found myself uh, in a church, uh, chasing a girl like most young men. Um, and you know I didn't come, I wasn't raised in a home or an environment that was very 
um, spiritual religious. Uh, I, I, my aunt would go to church. She went to a very like Pentecostal church. Every time I walked in, you know, people be like, you're going to hell, give your life to Jesus. And I'd be like, man, get the heck out of my face, you weirdos. Um, you know, and, and they meant well, but that's just the environment that I was in that, that holy rolling Pentecostal tongue speaking in, in middle school. But then in, in high school, I found uh, my own church that was a little, little similar, but different. Um, I would say I had a, a Jesus moment um, back when I was about 17 years old, where where I was truly filled with the Holy Spirit. I had the the understanding of of sin nature, of this separation, this aloneness, um, this darkness from from God, from the universe, from higher power, whatever you want to call it. And you know, I'm we as we had talked before. You know, I'm not here to to pander to the church or to Christianity or definitely not to the American church. Uh, you know, so I, I will, I will use words interchangeably, God, Holy spirit, power, universe, frequency, because at the end of the day, if there is a God, which I believe there is um, that individual, that, that collaborative team, whatever it is uh, created all of this and, and is trying in many different ways to communicate to us. So you know, high school I had that that Jesus moment, that Holy Spirit moment, and then shortly after that, I did uh, a forty day fast. Uh, did a juice and water fast uh, with my my youth ministry. You know, committed myself to prayer, the Word of God, and I had been exposed to like speaking in tongues and stuff like that through the church, the Pentecostal church, but I didn't really understand it. And one day I was by myself praying, Holy Spirit came on me, and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Uh, and something that became uh, a defining moment for me throughout my life, because shortly after that, I left the church. I, I started going to Bible college and was just like, this ain't it. This isn't right. Um, and for me, it wasn't this, oh, I love the world or I miss the world. It was just where I'm at, like something wasn't right in my soul. Um, so I, I walked away from the church, which winds you up where in the world, you know, so now I'm out there in the world. I'm, I'm living in the world uh, just like everybody else sold my business, working, hustling. I joined the military, was in the military for 10 years. Uh, started off uh, counterintelligence, finished out my military career as a U.S. Army Green Beret. Um, so I was a member of our special forces community. Um, but all throughout that time, I always marked myself with, I never denied the truth of Jesus Christ or the power of the Holy Spirit. I just frequently challenged the church and their belief systems and and the construct, you know, I call it the, the construct of the American or the Western church. You know, why does every denomination teach the same 100 Bible verses? Why does everyone know, you know, from Malachi to tithe? Why does everyone know certain verses of the Old Testament of, of judgment and condemnation? And you know, so anyway, you know, it's, these are just the questions I've always asked myself, like, why? Why are we all being taught the same thing, but then these great competing interests within the church itself? And and um, that, that brought me to where I'm at. You know, I went and lived out in the world for a long time. Um, as I call it, this, this duality of existence. Um, in one breath, I'm this powerful, dynamic man of God that I know that I am. Uh, when people hear me speak or they engage me, they, they talk about that. Oh, you've got this energy, this power. And it's like, in my heart, again, I never denied it. And I've always known it's because the Holy Spirit's always lived within me. And to me, that was the craziest thing is when I went out into the world living in sin, I'm still speaking in tongues in my head, or I find myself in a bad situation and I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about some 
some spare tire Christianity or some Jesus in the trunk stuff. I'm talking the power of God is so rich and deep in who I am that I just couldn't ever escape it. And it's always been my, my go-to uh, in every dating situation, relationship situation, as we have talked about before, it's hard because you hit that moment where it's like this voice says, she ain't it. This situation ain't it. And you're like, but I love my life right now. Right. Like, everything's <laughs> going so good. Why do you got to, why do you got to come at me like that? Um, and then where I'm at right now in my journey is, is really this, um, without getting deeper into the word of God, which I've, I've read the Bible, I've read the Quran, I've, I've looked into taking seminars, classes on, on Reiki and just understanding Western, Eastern, uh, Catholicism, Catholicism, Judaism, like, like I said, I'm a lifelong learner. So that goes for faith, spirituality, religion as well. I'm constantly trying to consume information and knowledge and letting for myself in my own walk, my own journey, letting the Holy Spirit discern things to be good or bad, um, rather than saying the church told me this was bad. Therefore I won't do it. Um, you know, there was a point in my life where I had been so full of, of PTSD and, and the devil and hate that, I needed yoga and meditation to calm me down enough to be able to hear the spirit of God again. So for me, it's, you know, I don't think anything's just blatant, blatantly black, bad, except for obvious, you know, grave moral injustices. But for the most part, I truly believe that God and the universe, the Holy Spirit, the free, higher frequency, it's all just trying to get us to be human and to treat others like human and to re remember that we are all interconnected and it's not about the few going to heaven and the many going to hell. It's let's try to lift up and, and get as many on the right journey as possible. And, and just where I'm at in my journey right now today, um, you know, went through a, a, about, about two and a half years ago to 18 months ago, where during COVID, during the pandemic, living in Arizona, living in Scottsdale, uh, the clubs were open and I was bored, you know, and, and I do believe that the idle mind is the, the devil's playing ground. And I'm, I was sitting here in love with myself. I'm so successful, homeowner, investment properties, business going good. And how did I honor um, all of those blessings? I did drugs and bought tables, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it wasn't it. And I'm very fortunate that I didn't have any bad situations that I didn't have any troubles or anything like that. Really. It, I was out one night on a table. I had purchased a bunch of great, beautiful women standing around me. And, and I heard them hyping me up and saying, man, he's the man. Oh, Randy, he's like my best friend. Oh, I love him. Oh, he always does this, that, and the other. And the truth is I looked at them and I thought, I, I want to be more than this. I want to be more than a, than a man that's admired by a handful of 25 year old women because I bought a table. Um, you know, I, this is not what, what God has called me to do or to be. So that was one of the last times I, I went out. I started my journey to sobriety. I'm actually rocking uh, my buddy's shirt. If I can just stand up real quick, that's it's cool. called the sober life. Um, you know, so I'm not, again, I don't, I don't really believe a lot in absolute. So I'm not some, I'm not a recovering alcoholic or sober like that. I just started removing alcohol. And I said, I'm not going to go to the clubs. I'm not going to go to the bars. I'm not going to get drunk. And when that, you know, that didn't work at first, I just kept re-engaging it. And then about 12 months ago, I went sober, sober, six months. I didn't touch a drink of alcohol or anything. It's been over a year since I've been in a bar or club. Um, you know, I'll have an occasional glass of wine, but really even that's in a very intimate setting. 
I make a point to not drink socially when everyone expects you to drink socially. You know, just had my 40th birthday, celebrated that recently. And even then, like I didn't drink, didn't do a toast, anything like that. I don't need to. Um, and that is in itself brought me closer to God. Uh, I really truly feel that the spirit of God is just in me and it's breathing and it's growing and it's living every single day, more and more and more powerful. Everything that I do is becoming more and more spirit led simply by removing alcohol, which, uh, you know, y'all can disagree with me, but I truly believe that the thing that is causing us to vibrate low, I don't care what, what version of spirituality and your highest self you believe in. If you are consuming alcohol regularly and or to, to excess, I truly believe it is a low vibrating uh, substance that keeps us separate from that higher calling, that higher person, that higher being. Um, so for my own journey, I, I just know, and I've always known that that's the thing. These aren't things I just like woke up one day and realized I used it to keep me low vibrating until I reached a point where I was like, I, I can't live like this. I don't want to go out. I don't want to end this life someday going, I never walked in the fullness of the power that had been given to me. So that's where I'm at. Wow. Well, let me just say this. I respect you so much as a man of authority and you are absolutely a visual representation of the power of God. And it's just amazing how you got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit before you went out into the world because God knew. Let me tell y'all, so many like religious and church people, they put their little laws or their little speculations, but they're confined to the four walls. And so God filling you up with his spirit is like, my son, I want you to experience me in the world because God is everywhere. Yes. God is in different religions, different countries, different cultures. God is everywhere. And it's just so amazing how you just kind of engulfed yourself in all of that, because I know that, you know, God is already using you in a mightily way and he's going to continue to use you in a mighty way because you have that knowledge and experience and you have gotten to know him outside of the four walls of a church. Yes. you know, as opposed to a lot of us are limited to. So amen. that is just really amazing. Cause even he says he'll use the foolish things of the world. And it's like, how can we reach those people if we're only confined to like yep. a certain thing? And so the power of God is just, is just evident in you. And yeah, his plan is so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is like, it's look, it's been a long journey. Um, but, but like you said, his plan is perfect. His timing is perfect. And, and I'm, I'm just starting to, to walk in alignment with that. I think even just for myself, I always think about the stories in, in the Bible verses of, you know, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. They, you know, the, he is always with us, um, even through the depths of hell that, you know, don't stop, you know, all these different verses, these different stories that we heard, you know, growing up in, in our journey and through, through the church, you know, through Christianity, but for me, that that's the truth. It's like the second I started to wake up, the power was there in, in everything that I do. Um, you know, again, I had the, the, the Lexus sports car, the Jeep, all these things. And little by little, as I started that, that journey towards removing the, what I was consuming first, you know, consuming nightlife, consuming um, the, the adoration from 
from women that, that don't mean anything to me. All these things, I started removing those, the praises of men, removing all of these things from my life. Then it's like I was able to have those, those deeper moments where God's like, sell your Jeep. Like, what? what do you, who, who said this? Why? You know, like I sold my Jeep and then 60 days later, the pandemic kicked off. And I wouldn't have been able to sell that Jeep during the pandemic, given the, the economic struggles that so many people went through, the, the, the credit rates adjusting, stuff like that. And then coming out of the pandemic a year ago, it was like, sell that Lexus. You know, right was I, was, while I was starting Mission Ladder and getting it off the ground, it was like, sell that Lexus. And I was like, well, I don't have a car, you know? It's like, well, you don't need a car. And literally, as soon as I sold that Lexus, I just started walking around Scottsdale, Ubering, and people thought I was crazy, like, like, what? what do you mean you don't have a car? One of my homies went to Europe for, for six months. I was like, hey, can I leave my, my Cadillac SUV with you? Boom, there you go. I had a vehicle just like that. Uh, and, you know, these are those things that have just kept happening in my life and, and manifesting and calling things into existence and, and just really being more sensitive to the spirit and, and just flowing in that, in my authenticity every single day. And again, not attaching it to, to the church. Like, sure, I'll listen to a sermon. I'll go to church. Uh, I, you know, I know the word of God. I, I still look at it, read it, reference it. But, but like you said, I reference a lot of different things. I'm listening to a lot of different podcasts, you know, uh, on activating that higher self. And, and so that's where I'm at. I just, I absolutely love that. And one of the things I realized, um, is when it, and when it comes to church, at least for me personally, church has been more about community for me. Um, being in an area where, for example, I'm away from family, I'm away from many different people, gathering in church has been more for community for me, but, you know, I'm called to the world, to the outside world as well, beyond the church, like, I don't consider myself a religious person at all, so I just, I just think that's amazing, and you don't really see that too many times to where it's rare that I can connect to someone like you who actually gets it, yeah. And someone who is not like quoting scripture all day, but then behind the scenes doing something like, no, yep. like who you are is who you are. <laughs> yes. And I, absolutely, I absolutely love it. Like I see God moving through you in every aspect. And I just love the fact that he's still not only sustaining you, but you are thriving in the Amen. midst of everything you have experienced. And yeah. that's a blessing. Cause it's like, when you have everything, it's so easy to just be filled with yourself and like, I'm the man, I'm that guy. What are you talking about? Like, yep. but you just coming to full surrenderance through the Holy spirit. Like that wasn't something that you could have done on your own. No, absolutely not. That's, that's the power <laughs> of God saying, okay, okay, young man, enough. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but, but again, to your point, I, what I love about my journey is just that I didn't hit rock bottom. It was the opposite. I was up. I'm climbing on LinkedIn. I'm, you know, got, got the, the women DMing me on, on IG, you know, whatever it was, I was winning in, in every single way I turned. And in the midst of that all, that's when I realized like I'm winning at the wrong game. I'm out here trying to play the world. I'm trying to play this, this secular game that I'm just not conditioned for. And and even now, I, I truly have a vision. So if anyone's listening, I have a vision to take what I'm doing with Mission Ladder and Workforce, what I'm doing with Corporate America, and bring a lot of those assets to the church. Um, something that, that's really been on my heart is, you know, the, the Bible scripture talks about if you give a man, a man a fish, you give a person a fish, you feed them for a day. 
if you give, if you teach them how to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. And I really see that, that the church could benefit from having a workforce component, having a workforce experience for their members. It ain't just about passing buckets and saying, give 10%. Well, you know, when, when you start doing better in life, you start elevating that 10% doesn't hurt as much. You know, if, if that's your goal, you know, I'm, I'm not about, about that, but if that's the church's goal, which it seems like it is, because we got to talk about it every week in every church at the exact same time, right after worship, before the word of God, we got to pass the buckets, right? Every service. Right. And sometimes we got to <laughs> pass them two or three times um, because the counters in the back, let the pastor know that the offering wasn't enough. So we got to, we got to squeeze a little bit more out of that orange, Um right? Can, can, we, can we get an amen to some of those listeners out there? You know what I'm talking <laughs> about. You know, I've been that person. I've been the person counting the offering and have to tell the pastor, here's the, here's the numbers. Okay, let's take another one. But anyway, I say all that because I think, especially in America, the church would benefit greatly by shifting some of their focus to actually empowering their people in the community and creating a network of believers that uplift each other. How many churches do we go to around the country and here in Arizona that we go to, and we don't even know how many business owners there are in our, in our pews, in our churches, in the seat next to you, that can't fill their jobs. They're losing business because they don't have qualified staff and, and there's no network. There's no connectivity because, and I get it. The church, you know, has it, has its role and its function, you know, small groups, all that kind of stuff get people saved, make disciples. But part of discipleship is you got to work, you know, man doesn't yeah. work, man doesn't eat. So right. I really want to see, see uh, what I'm doing bleed over into the church in a positive way here in the near future and, and see these, these churches having that workforce component and guiding their people to the right resources uh, in the local community. So and we could really use that. That's, I really believe that's one of the reasons why there are so many dying churches today. A lot of churches make everything so spiritual and they even cover stuff up through making stuff spiritual. Even what you said about the offering, it's like covered through being so spiritual. Give as the Lord and all of this uh, stuff. Hold when on. <laughs> the Lord just told me we didn't give enough. So we're going to give what? one more time. I've been studying Psalms 118 and I just feel it on my spirit. I want five people to sow $118 to see a miracle break all of that <laughs> manipulation and manipulation. Yeah, yes. it's manipulation at its finest. So um, I really believe we do need that structure because we're a community. Even the word of God talks about being one body of Christ, many members, yes. but one body we're this one body, but we're still so disconnected. Like we don't have that network. We we're not building authentic relationships in the church. We're exactly. making everything religious, everything spiritual. We're not really seeing what we can do when we really come together. It's like, we're together, but we're not really together. Yeah, of course. Of course. And you are definitely like called to help bring that together. So absolutely. I received that. That's where we're at, unfortunately. <laughs> but I truly thank God for wonderful men like Randy and others who recognize their calling and their purpose and are walking in that. And I just love it. So <laughs> thank you Thanks. so much for sharing that and offering a different perspective to many people who are in the church who may be thinking differently, because I don't personally believe that 
you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of issues, a lot of things going on in the church world, but I don't feel like it's a reason to abandon the church. We just got to yep. change some things Yep. We, because that's not God's intention for the church. Unfortunately, there are many church people who have mismanaged God's love, Amen. but that's not his, his vision. That's not his goal. He wants to have a kingdom business, even in the church community. And I feel yep. like we leave that part off and make it everything so spiritual and, and we miss that like like you said faith without works is dead we got all this faith but no works and wondering why god's not moving or things not changing so yeah you hit the nail on the head with that one yeah so i appreciate that well i know one of the other things i wanted to get into so you know i made a post a few weeks ago um about um can a woman be sexy and modest at the same time and many people agreed and then there were a few select people who kind of said something that I was just like what um <laughs> so um you were one of the ones who saw that and you participated in that which I'm grateful for because I really needed your view and your perspective so I just want to ask if you can kind of like expound like what were your thoughts when you saw that and from your perspective what would be your answer in terms of being sexy and modest you can go as, as broader as you want to go I I think one just as a as a man in our society it's hard to even say this because you're going to get haters no matter what you say you know what I mean right. and, but I don't care you know uh, uh I'm gonna keep it real you know I, I I was on a podcast last week and and I dealt with some stuff when I was active duty special forces was in some fights with my teammates violent altercations like bad stuff you know and and I'll say the same thing here you know fuck around and find out like like, like don't get it don't get it twisted I'm still I'm still that poor kid from nothing um, so, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not here to be religious and, and, and sound perfect, but to me, I, one, I was very intentional in my response because of who you are. Um, I, I want you to truly understand that when I, when I communicate with you and respond to you, it, it's coming from a place of love and respect, uh, and, and adoration for who you are and what you're doing. So it, it was definitely a thoughtful response. And, and to me, I think it's, it's something that we all struggle with, uh, something I even just was talking about with a couple of friends recently, like, what is sexy? You know, like, what does that even mean? What is modesty? What does that even mean? You know, um, you go to some places in, in the South and to them, modest is a, a t-shirt down to here and, and a, you know, and a dress <laughs> down to the ankles, um, you know? Uh, so for me, I think what it, what it really comes down to is, is even beyond the word sexy, I'm going to take it into to what it really is. It's that feminine divine energy. Um, and, and I think that women um, can and, and should freely walk in their, their divine feminine energy and, and whatever that looks like to them and, and be more authentic and, and hold a higher standard of what they expect, irregardless of what social media has. If you post a, a picture of you in your, your bathing suit on social media, that doesn't mean that you're not a modest woman. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you right now that the, the issue is to me, it's, it's two issues. One, and I say this to every woman I know y'all got the power and you need to realize that you have the power, but you relinquish that to low vibrating weak men. And I've been that man before, you know, so you all have the power to uphold the highest standard and demand exactly what you want. 
Uh, I feel like I've had these conversations more frequently than, than ever before in my life, especially my female friends on modesty, sexy, divine feminine energy. I'm sharing, I'm sharing podcasts with women that, that are for like women's feminine energy or how to sort and find a partner and all of these things. And so ultimately for me, when it comes down to, can you be modest and can you be sexy? I 100%, yes, you can. And, and I think we also have to redirect what is sexy. And it's not to diminish a woman that that's, you know, has her bikini shots or is a model or, or whatever, or is just an Instagram female chasing clout or, or attention. Like, I don't discount any of that. You, you're, you post yourself in lingerie on social media. That doesn't automatically mean that that is not a modest woman. I know right now for a fact, I know a very beautiful young woman, gorgeous to all social standards who, who's posted stuff like that's you, 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 you see what you get, you know, it's out there. This woman's been with one man in the last four or five years of her life. I know plenty of women who are covered up on social media that, that, that have lost their virtue a little bit, you know? And, and I think that just goes back to be who you be and, and live your authentic life and, and, and be authentic and, and walk in that. So um, I learned a lot of this too, just living in the Middle East. So I, I studied abroad in the Middle East. I lived in Lebanon for almost four years and engaging a, a very Islamic culture in the south of Lebanon, parts of Beirut and south of Lebanon, out to the Bekaa Valley. Shout out to, my, to all my people out there. You, I met these beautiful, gorgeous Middle Eastern women that were very strict Muslim. You know, I go to the mosque, I practice Ramadan, I don't smoke or drink or this or that, but they might have like a little tattoo somewhere. Um, they might wear something that society would deem sexy. And it was just interesting coming from the West to the, essentially to the East, and this wasn't demonized or, and I'm sure there's some far right radicals on, on, the, on the Muslim side in the Middle East too, no different than, than the, the far, far right in America. It's all the same. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some of people like that that are like, oh my God, this woman's, you know, she's uh, an abomination. She's evil. She's a, a, a Jezebel, you know? And, and again, I, I think we just need to detach those labels and, and define what is modest to you as an individual, you know? Um, and I, and I really want to say like being modest, isn't just about a picture you post on social media. Cause I think oftentimes when we talk about sexy and modest, we automatically go to, well, what is this woman posting on her IG? And I think it's it's so much more than a singular you know picture that was posted. We don't know her journey or what she went through or, or how many positive you know effects that, that have happened from X post. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but to me, that's where I'm at on on just understanding: can you be modest? Can you be sexy? Absolutely. But what does that even mean? What does sexy mean? What does modest mean? You know, is sexy something just based off of your physical appearance is sexy. The totality of the woman, her energy, her vibe. I'll tell you for me, just in my own journey, my attractiveness to a woman has nothing to do with her past. I don't give a dang if I, and I, and I mean this from all my heart, I'll give a dang. If you took, took money for sex, I don't care. Like I have no, I hold no judgments um, uh, on anyone's past. I, I truly don't. Um, you, you know, and, and for me, it's like, I don't know how to articulate this, but it's that 
where, where are you at today and, and what energy, what vibe are you giving off? Because again, irregardless of how you're dressed in the moment or what you post on social media, to me, that sexy is your energy. And that's something that's, that to me, modesty on energy is that it's not just given to everyone, you know, having the opportunity to get that glimpse into who somebody is in an intimate setting and knowing that who she really is isn't just being shared with anyone and everyone to me that's sexy and that has nothing to do with with the clothes on her body I really agree with that and I'm glad you said that because for one when I made that post one of the private messages I received was you got a swimsuit bikini photo on your page and how can you talking about how are you going to post about this and look what you're doing and like my response was first of all like you said it's not just about your physical appearance. And I responded, I said, first of all, I didn't feel like I really had to explain, but I just did it just because I felt like entertaining at the moment. <laughs> but um, I was like, well, first of all, yes, it's a swimsuit picture, but it's at the pool. It's at an appropriate location. And I'm sitting down facing the front. I'm not taking a picture intentionally trying to put my ass out and like all of it, like it's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not about, oh, I can't post swimsuit pictures or I can't wear certain things. Like you said, it's that divine feminine energy. And yes. so I'm going to show that in an appropriate setting, in an appropriate way. Like even the Bible talks about there is a time and a place for everything under the sun. Like Absolutely. So people are just really surface minded when it comes to stuff like that. Of course. Well, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but to oh, me, I'm not even going to say his name, but it's because our society has been driven by these weak men who, who literally get on and get a platform and thank God the one I'm talking about has been deplatformed, but they get out there and they literally tell men, go get a 19 year old and groom her. She's been, you know, un, unwhatevered by the world. And, and to me, that's just, that's just wrong. And, Men, men have it so twisted in, in society globally right now. Um, they, and again, just this is going from what we're hearing every day is everybody wants that sexy, that superficial, sexy woman, but then you want her to be Mother Teresa? Like, wh who are you? What, what are you really looking for? Uh, even in my own life, I, I've had to look at my own life and go, Man, I've lived a rough life. You know, I got hand tattoos, neck tattoos. Uh, I, I faced uh, I faced 10 years in prison 10 years ago. Thank God, literally by the grace of God, I didn't get that sentence, but I faced it. And that could have been the, my reality. And I've, I've rarely engaged a woman who's judged me negatively based off of, of those things. But as a man, like you said in that post, it's so easy for a man to start engaging you, start dating you, be with you and be like, you know, Jess, the Lord just put it on my heart to talk to you. And this one picture of you in that bathing suit, it's really not edifying the church or lifting up. Man, shut up. <laughs> You're just weak. You're weak. Yes. You want her. You want her to be sexy. You want her to be a freak, all these things, this, that, and the other, but then look like dang Mother Teresa 24-7 in public. So you want to control her and you want to put her into a box that fits within your small little ego. So that's that's really what it is. And I'm from a church where I was called a Jezebel. And other people's other men's wives 
had an issue with me because of the things I wore in church, not because they were provocative. I naturally have curves. I'm not going to be wearing baggy stuff all the time. Why are you getting on to me? Because your husband is weak. That Ooh. has nothing to do with me or better yet, yep. because I didn't give somebody's husband the proper one arm church hug. Now I want your husband. So I'm the Jezebel of the church. I'm this, I'm that. And it's just ridiculous how we think that way. 100%. It's, it's just so like, it's just crazy. Like, again, me having to shrink myself, I shouldn't have to shrink who I am in my divine feminine energy because you can't handle it because you're weak as a man. Exactly. And like you said, those same ones who are criticizing are the ones liking all these Instagram pictures. Like you like it, I'm right? seeing you liking all of this stuff, yep. but you want to call out on me, but I ain't going to say nothing though. Yeah. But <laughs> let, let me see, let me see your DMs, my brother. Let me see all those women that you don't know, those blue check, those like Jess, those 50,000 plus followers that you're trying to slide in on every single day. Get out of here. Uh, again, though, that's the hypocrisy of, of religion, whether it's Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, veganism, I don't care what it is. There's hypocrisy in all of it. And there's also God in, in all of it. And we got to find those God parts and just live out those and, and leave, leave the last two, 300 years of, of social conditioning behind and, and really walk into a, a newness, a, a new society, new life. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, like the many ways God is using you, one of the ways he's using me is he's using my divine feminine, sexy energy. That's one of the tools he is using through me because it attracts and yes. it's nothing wrong with attraction. It just, once you draw them, what are you going to do with that? Exactly. I have a choice. I can use what I have for good, or I can use what I have for evil. But for the longest, I used to feel feel some type of way about the way I look mainly because the pressures of other people saying you know like I said I'm a Jezebel and I look a certain way so I felt like I was cursed which is kind of crazy to say because it's like girl you're beautiful like why would you feel like I felt like it was a curse because I'm like yeah. I feel like I'm only seen for that but then God had to wake me up I'm using your sexiness he told me straight up I am using your sexiness you better be sexy because it's going to attract people I need to attract and when they get close to you they're going to see me and not you so I mm. want you to use that and walk in that. But of course, religious minded people aren't going to see that or hypocrites aren't going to see that. So, well, well, I think the other issue, too, that you just you just brought it up to me is, you know, do we say that, Randy, you're too sexy, you're too provocative? No, we say you're charismatic. We say mm. you're an alpha male, that, mm. that you're walking in that divine masculine. You know, if you think about it, when I walk into somewhere and I know I, I feel good, look good, I'm bringing that energy. There's that. I know there's that sexiness to it. I know that I can see it sometimes in certain rooms, you know, you'll get certain looks, but again, that's never demonized. It's never told, Hey brother, you got to wear a triple X t-shirt and some, some pleated <laughs> dress pants or it's something. Celebrated. You, know, you know what I mean? It's celebrated. Uh, I, I walked into church just, just last Sunday. Uh, I won't say which church, you know, but I walked into church that, that I started going to recently and sat right side, middle, middle of the row up, second week there, closed my eyes, worshiping, praying, clapping, doing my thing, singing the Holy Spirit. I wake up 
and there's someone on my right and someone on my left just looking at me like, hi, how are you? And I know the game, you know, I don't, I don't mean it's a game in a bad way, but, but I get it. But again, if, if a woman walks in like that, looking good, feeling good, praising God, and two men sit next to her, the whole church is going, oh my God, look at that Jezebel. She only been here two weeks and she's trying to get both of those men. Like she, she sat by herself. Those right. men encroached her. They came to her space. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have all the answers on that, but, but at the same time, it's like, we, we just got to get out of that, that religious mindset. And I struggle with it still sometimes too. It's, it's hard for me sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to date this woman or I'm getting to know her. And I see her social media. And then I see, oh man, she had all these, you know, sex, socially sexy pictures. And then you're, then I literally have to check myself and go, well, wait a minute. Like, I, I work out every day. I try to be fit. I try to be healthy. I want someone who's that same. And, but now once I'm getting close to getting that or moving towards her, now I start that, that little religious thing in me starts going, but what about in this one situation or my mom might see these pictures or you start creating all these things in your head. And it's like, Man, I wouldn't want to be with somebody who's going, man, I really love Randy, except that he has tattoos or man, he's, he's so, so good, except that he's, you know, mixed race. Why couldn't he be X? So I don't know. Um, I think it's, it's a tough, it's a tough discussion on modesty, sexiness, and then just having faith. And, and I, I think ultimately, I think each, each woman, you know, needs to just take control of her life get rid of what society has said, what the patriarch has built them up to be and walk in that divine feminine energy. If that's what you feel that you are supposed to be doing and called to be like, uh, I got enough masculine energy, masculine energy for two people. So <laughs> I definitely don't want to be with a woman who's all, you know, in that masculine flow. So. That's, that's very important. And I, I think we have spoken about this a few weeks ago. I mentioned to you about, um, men in the past viewing me as too strong, too masculine, I'm too independent. And I've had to sit with myself for a while because it's like, of course, like I have mentioned in previous podcast episodes, I was married, I was in a very abusive relationship. So the majority of my life, I still had to depend on myself. I was still in survival, survival mode. I was still like mentally the provider because the marriage I was in, it wasn't like that. So it forced me to be in a space I didn't naturally want to be. And it was just so refreshing hearing you say, well, Jessica, when it comes to you, like I feel nothing but feminine energy yep. from you. And that was a blessing because it shows, it's a testament to how far I came because I didn't used to always be this way Yeah. because I am strong. I am powerful. I am very business-minded. I am very focused. And then a lot of men have been very intimidated by that and don't know what to do with that. Yep. But then someone who understands that sees me differently. And it's like, oh, I'm seen like <laughs> yeah. this is somebody who actually sees me. I can still be feminine and strong in all of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, but then there's still a battle with that flesh though. And I want to kind of get into that when it okay. comes to your view of, you know, sexy and modesty, because for example, the books of the book of Proverbs talks about you know, certain women to look for and certain women to stay away from, Okay. for yep. example. 
Um, so how has that impacted, you know, dating relationships, even where you've been and where you are now? Cause I'm telling you the flesh says one thing, but it's like, you, I feel like you touched on this earlier. That spirit is like, this is not who I'm supposed to be with, but I want to be with her. This is my type. Like it's great, yeah. but it's like, Oh, so can you just kind of talk about your view on, on dating and returns in uh, absolutely. So for me, it, Man, I, I love this subject. I want to I talk on this a lot. Uh, hey, we so, can go. Let's, so I, we can I, do this. <laughs> I first just want to preface this with most of my friends are females. So my closest friends, my best friends are females. I have a couple male friends. I am not into like bro culture. I'm not in a fantasy football league. I'm a grown ass man. I do man shit. I work. I take care of myself. I handle my business. I don't have time for games and golfing with the buddies, all that. That being said, because my closest friends are females, I'm constantly getting that, that end user feedback of their dates and their relationships and who they're talking to. And really, I started developing this mindset of, of its business. And we need to approach those intimate relationships just like we do business. We don't just sign a con. Somebody calls me on the phone and sounds real great. I don't just sign a contract with them. I want to get to know them. I want to ask uh, deep or important questions, you know? So when it comes to dating for myself, I don't look for somebody who, who checks a block and says, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Jesus is the way in their Instagram bio, you know, the cross, all that, like, Hey, that sounds great. And I don't mean this from a judgment perspective. I'm just making light of situations like, but I just seen your last five stories of you drunk on the lake and then you drunk on the table, but you know, you say the right things. Jesus mm -hmm. is the way. Like, again, I'm not here to judge and I've lived that life, but it's, it's the duality. I don't, I personally chose to abstain from truly diving into my faith while I was doing those very secular things. And, and if, if you're, you know, you got one foot in, one foot out, I'll, that's a, a sermon for another day. I'll let you, you and the Holy spirit work that out within yourself. Um, for me, when it comes to dating, I really ask four questions. Uh, the first one is, the first question I ask, how successful is your dad? And what is your relationship like with him? Because right off the bat, I'm going to know, do you have a father? Do you not? Did you have a male role model? Did you not? Uh, I think these are important for, for a man to know a woman's relationship with men in her life growing up could be a dad, could be an uncle. I, I don't know my biological parents. My, my biological mother is Mexican. My biological dad's African-American. I was born in LA. I was raised by a, my aunt and uncle got a divorce. And I was raised by my uncle and his new wife, who I call mom and dad. And then part of the time by my aunt. So it's like, but, it, but through all of that chaos, I can go back to, I had a woman in my, in my life that I called mother, that I respect, I revere, that I adore, but I also keep boundaries in my relationships with and i think a lot of men especially men of color can we can cross that boundary and put mom on a pedestal and and then our our, our girl becomes this second class citizen and i i've never played that game i won't so the first thing i do ask is who is your dad you know what's his success look like and what does your relationship look like with him and that's in part because i work six seven days a week i put in nine, 10 hours a day of work. I spread it out throughout the day. I work how I want to. I'm going to control my life. This is what I love to do. I've always done this. So if you've never seen my version of success and you, you don't have a role model in your life that you respect, you're going to struggle with me. 
because it's going to look good. This guy's a gentleman. He opens the doors. He pays for everything. He says the right things. But I work 24-7. I, I travel to foreign countries and take work with me because I enjoy my work. I don't need a vacation for my work. My work is my life. And it's always been that way. So that's the first thing I ask. And then the next, next three things is, what is your, what is your personal spiritual life look like? And, and people will start going down. Oh, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. I don't, I don't need to hear about the, the social labels that you've accepted. Do you actually have a connection with the universe, with God, with the Holy Spirit, with Allah, with Jesus? I don't care what you call it. Do you have a truly divine connection with the higher power? Because I do. And I'm not here to, to, to teach you how to, how to know God, how to know that there's more than you in existence. And there's more than just reading a book and going to a, a building with four walls. Do, if you never have that book again, and you never, whatever your faith is, and you never went to your four walls, whether it's a yoga studio, a church on every corner in America, a mosque, I don't care what it is. If you never had your book and your building, does your faith waver or does it, does it just keep everlasting? So that's, that's the next big thing I look in a relationship, you know, so that relationship with their dad, that relationship with God, and then we get into who they are. What, you know, what do you actually want? Do you, you know, a big question I ask, like, do you want to be a mother? Do you want to be a mother that stays at home? Do you want to be a mother that works part-time? Do you want to be a mother that works full-time? What is it? What does that look like to you? Do you, because again, I don't, I don't waste time with the, oh, you're so cute. Oh, I'm so cute. Oh, oh, oh. I don't, I don't have time for that. I'm everything I'm telling you right now, this is date one. This is like, like in the parking lot outside the gym before we even have a date one, I will not waste my time. I'm at a place in my life where uh, I have told everybody around me, I am not on any dating apps or sites or nothing like that. I'm looking for an authentic in-person match because I believe that the universe, I believe that God can bring somebody into my life in real life that I can meet her. And like a man can say, hi, let's do this. Um, and, and so for me, it's, it's, I want to ask these questions. I want to get down to business right away and sort. I want to, I want to move on quickly, you know? And then the other part with that, that's difficult is you ask these more challenging, difficult questions up front, which I think strengthens an early relationship. But I also have to kind of put that, that backstop in of, hey, we're still getting to know each other. And, and it's because for me, I'm still testing that spirit and going, is this a trauma bond? Is this a, I'm trying to fit into society relationship? Or is this truly that, that person? I, and again, I really believe that in nearly 8 billion people on this earth, I have to have faith that God can bring me one woman, one. I can sit here and tell you I have faith for Mission Ladder to make $10 million a year. Everyone's going to say, amen. Yes, you're doing God's work, workforce, great helping others. I can tell you I want to own uh, a mansion in Paradise Valley, Arizona with horses and this. Yes, brother, manifest that. I want one woman and I'm not going to use dating apps and I'm going to ask these very difficult questions up front. Well, Randy, you know, you really should broaden your, your, uh, <laughs> your search. You should really not limit yourself to these things. I know many people who've met on dating apps and 
they're married now. And again, if that's you, great. Follow your path, your journey. I'm just saying for me, it's going to be in real life. I'm going to ask difficult questions and I'm going to share my whole truth. You know, I've, I've done drugs. I've, I've hustled. I've went to war, you know, and I was in the infantry and special forces. It, it speaks for itself um, on what war, what war was for me. Um, so I've lived a rough life. And, and again, no judgments. Uh, I hold no judgments against anyone, but that's, that's how I approach dating. Uh, it's got to be organic. It's got to be in, in person. And we've got to ask those hard questions. And also it doesn't have to like happen right away. You know, I feel like we're living in this. Uh, and I said it to my, my last relationship. I, I told her, I said, the problem with us right now is you grew up with Disney and, and privilege. She, she came from money and, and nothing against that, but she grew up with privilege and Disney. I grew up with, with hardship and prayers. And, and she really believed in this Disney fairy tale that you just, you meet and you get swept off your feet and it's just gone. And I don't think that's necessarily reality. Uh, again, I look at it like I need to make the most important business decision of my life. Who's going to be my, my best friend, my partner, who's going to be there to support, you know, my, my business dreams and desires and, and how can I support her business dreams and desires? How can I support her vision? Look, I dated someone before that I said, what is your vision for your life? What can I do to support you? And, and she just kept saying, I just want to be your wife. I want to be married. And I'm like, that's great. We, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, amen. You want to be my wife. You want to have a child. Great. Who are you? Um, okay. And I, and I, I look, I'd say this, every, I have a maid. We're going to have a nanny. Uh, we're going to have an au pair. You're, this idea that you're yes, just going to be overwhelmed <laughs> with cleaning and baby do it's not there. Okay. So, so now who are you? Do you, do you want to work? Do you want to stay at home? What, again, what does that look like? And, I, and I'll be honest, it's, it's unfortunate how, how many women aren't prepared to articulate a, a vision for their own life because they've either been conditioned to just shut up and go along with the ride and or or to say these things and i i hate hearing this oh i'm just the go with the flow kind of girl like i'm just so chill i don't want go with the flow and chill i want crazy as fuck i want i want a woman that's gonna say nope you're not gonna talk to me like that that ain't gonna happen because again i live in the masculine energy but i i understand and, and i'm in touch with that feminine energy and i know when i cross the line i know i cross the line I know I push the limits with my words. I know that I'm powerful with my tone and, and I know how manipulative I can be. So even when I'm dating, you know, I do regular check-ins. Like, hey, let's check in. Let's talk this through. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I want to be with somebody who has, has a vision for her life. And again, if that vision is to be a mother and, and to be a stay at home and you're never going to work again, that's fine. I want to hear your plan. And this is my plan. Because if that is truly your vision, then that means you've cultivated that. You're praying on that. And God should be, the universe should be telling you. And when I'm a mother, I'm, 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 I plan on doing this, or I want to live here or travel there or whatever it is. Like, don't just say, I just want to exist. And I go with the flow. Like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear that all the time too. And I feel like many women aren't used to, unfortunately, there are many men who do not have a vision for their lives. And yes. so they come across a man like you who has a clear vision 
And, but they're looking at it as, oh, you're limiting yourself. No, this man is focused and he has a vision. You want a man with vision because if a man does not have vision, you're not going to trust him to lead you. So I feel like, like many women don't recognize that men like you are not common. And I also feel like, you know, I think you've mentioned this, how we hold when it comes to business relationships, we hold it to such a high standard. But when it comes to personal relationships, we just think so lowly of ourselves. And I feel like the reason for that being is we feel like business and personal has to be separated. And I understand that to an extent, but I really believe that business and personal is supposed to be like integrated into one another. It's not supposed to be, especially when it comes, honestly, marriage is a business move and you can look at it however way you want to. Marriage is a business. Who you get with will impact everything. Every single thing. And I was one of those women who thought so lowly of myself when it came to personal relationships, but yeah, business I'm this way, but personal, I felt like I wasn't enough. I was just diminishing myself. And so I have fallen into that trap too. Until recently I'm coming to a place to where I'm like, like you said, it's gotta be like specific. Like I know what I need is as far as a van. And if it's not that, then I ain't, I'm not wasting my time because one of the roles as a husband, even in the Bible, the man is the cultivator. Yes. He cultivates his wife. So like you saying, asking her, what is your vision? Who are you? Many women don't know who they are. And for my mother, for example, she was one of the women who just wanted to be a wife and a mother, but she had a vision though. Like, that's okay. If that's your calling, then that is great. There is nothing wrong with just being a mother and a wife. But like you said, you still got to have a plan. You still got to have a vision for it. One of my, one of my really good girlfriends right now, we just had this conversation a couple nights ago. She's hitting month three with a guy she's dating, you know, it's, it's going well, uh, she sees him when she can. He's got, you know, ex-wife, two kids. And, and for me, I don't, I don't, again, I don't diminish that, but I just ask the hard questions. I say, okay, so first, are you okay with him having an ex-wife and two kids? You are. Okay, great. Um, now this man's a little bit older than you. Do you want to have children? Yes, I do. Does he know that? I think so. Does he want to have more children? I'm not sure. Okay. And, and again, it's not all about children, but this is a big defining moment in, in a relationship. So now again, I asked her, I said, so why are you in this relationship? Why are you engaging a man uh, in an intimate way? And you're not asking him hard questions. And unfortunately she says kind of, you know, what most women say is like, well, I don't want to push him away. And this is what I would tell, tell every woman. It is better to be single than to be in a lukewarm relationship. And I, I truly believe in, in the word of God when it says, I would rather you be hot or cold. I believe that's true in relationships too. Like that relationship, I want it all the way turn up. I want that relationship to be hot. And if I mess up, I step, step sideways. I want that wife of mine to hit that cold water and wake me up. I don't want to live a mediocre middle-class American life. I don't want to be regular or normal. And I don't want to be with anybody who desires to simply be regular or normal. Um, but in talking to her about her situation, it's like, hey, have a conversation. You're at three months. And, and I liken it to a lot of these um, women podcasters I listen to. They talk about you've got 10, 12,000 years of genetics inside of you. All of us do. You know, I'm a warrior. I have to believe that the reason why I came out 
a fighter and a scrapper and I've always believed in myself is because I've got generations of people who survived. You know, when I, when I, I, I'm weird. When I think about from my biological dad's side of the family, that, that old slave blood, I go, you know what? We overcame. I come from, from generations of people who were enslaved and, and here I am, I'm the byproduct and I'm thriving. I can do anything because of that, that genetics that's inside of me, that DNA that's inside of me. Um, you know, and, and I, I was just talking about it and I was like, Hey, you have 10, 12,000 years of genetics inside of you, of biology inside of you that says when you sleep with a man, it takes you 30, 30 days to break that, that bond, a man science, you know, some science studies say for a man, when we sleep with a woman, it takes two to three days. We sleep with a woman. We don't sleep with her again. Two to three days later, we're like, who in the world can we go sleep with? Uh, a woman has that bond for 30 days, whether she's on birth control or not, whether she's, you know, menstruating or not, according to some of these studies that I've looked at, because that intimacy thing happened. And now your mind, your, your chemistry is saying, I could possibly be with child with this person. And it takes that 30 days to break that bond. And then just looking at the relationship per trimester, you know, looking at the, the birthing period, it takes nine months, three trimesters to give life but y'all are sitting around with men for a year, two years, three years, five years. I met somebody recently. She's been with her dude for 10 years and he he's hesitant to marry her. And I'm like, and in my mind, I'm like, no, y'all, y'all after nine months, y'all got married spiritually, um, metaphorically, how it looks. Y'all got married. Did you mm -hmm. go involve the government? No, but y'all are married. You living together 10 years. That's a marriage. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just, I, I, I kind of talked to my friends and even myself about that is like, where are we after 30 days in a relationship? One, I believe if you are sexually active, you know, don't have sex with them first 30 days. <laughs> it's not that long. You know? It ain't that long. Right. Trust me. right. You can it wait. ain't that long. Um, you know, and then look at your life in court, you know, business quarters, business cycles, you know, there's four quarters in a year, there are three months, there's three months per trimester. Look at your relationships like that and go, one month, three months, six months, nine months. You're with a dude for nine months and he doesn't want to wipe you up. Bye. Hey, this, this contract was good. It is now ending. We'll see you later. Don't let the door hit you. That's true. A man typically knows what he wants. It does not take him like years to figure out if he sees no. you long term no. or not. Yep. Yes. And that's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. I think is we, 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 I say we. I think so many women want to believe that they're going to get him to view them as long-term, but I, I, in my, in my past relationships, uh, I'm still friends with a couple of my ex-girlfriends. It's a whole nother, another, another show, another segment. But, um, I, I knew uh, of several women I've dated. I knew that they were long-term right away or they weren't. And where I was at in my life, uh, I just wasn't ready. That's why I'm single right now. I don't want to be single. Um, my last relationship, uh, it taught me so much. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, I almost, not I almost, I, I genuinely feel bad for, for how I handled that relationship because I truly felt like I could spend the rest of my life with that woman. But then my language started getting caught up with society, with the, the thing. I started moving like every other man in society. And, and I honestly, hats off to her. Um, we had a, a good relationship. She had a, a man that has stable income, good job, good life. You know, I know I made her look good. She made me look good. And, but at the end of the day, I started not treating her right, especially with my words and how I communicated with her. And she, she called it, she ended it.
She didn't explain herself. She said, I'm done with you. Goodbye. And, and never re-engaged me again. Hats off to that woman. Uh, I think she's, she, she has taught me more than in, in that relationship than I've learned my whole life when it comes to dating. Uh, I've truly come to a place in my life where I know how powerful my words are and how impactful they are on my relationships. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, that that is very interesting. And I know you mentioned you being um, of the mixed race. Mm-hmm. How has that like impacted, especially being around mainly the Caucasian race? How has that impacted you in dating? Is there a type? Is there a preference? Or do you only look at Ooh, how do you? That's how do you tough. Do? <laughs> I, I, I mean, have... no, no racism, though. I yeah, no, I, people. I've. I've been on dates with, with women of of all races. Uh, I've dated women of all faiths, um, which is interesting because I can't date an atheist, you know, like if there's like something I can't date, I can't date the atheist agnostic woman. Like, like y'all gotta be like a law or Jesus or meditating something, man. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, in terms of race, uh, I've dated women of all races, but I think I, I do have a, a social conditioning. You know, I grew up in Yuma, Arizona, small town, uh, predominantly white, mixed with uh, Hispanic, Mexican descent. And I was a mixed race kid that really wasn't allowed to talk about being mixed race. It was just like, oh, you're just darker. Like, man, I ain't, I, I look at these pictures of me as a kid. I'm like, that kid's black as hell. How the <laughs> hell was I trying to convince everybody I was a Mexican? You know, like I am, I feel like I'm lighter right now uh, than I was when I look at these kids, these pictures of me when I was a kid. I'm like, I have a curly ass, nappy little Afro going black as hell, head to toe. And I'm trying to tell everybody I'm a Mexican, but part of that did come from, from my conditioning, you know, growing up in a, in a Mexican home, a lot of people don't realize, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but in my experience, you know, some, some of my own family members are, are pretty racist against being black. So I grew up really, truly ashamed of my blackness until I was over 30 years old. I was over 30 when I, when I really looked in the mirror and said, like, I'm, I'm handsome. I'm, I'm beautiful. I'm beautifully made with this, this skin color and, and this hair. And I need to take care of myself and, and dress and, and look and carry myself according to, to who I am, my, my DNA, my, my genetics. Um, and, and in terms of dating, I have dated uh, more, more white girls than, than anything else. And, and a lot of that's because that's what I was, all I was exposed to in, in Yuma, Arizona. Um, and then from there, I joined the military. I was stationed in North Carolina, where North Carolina is still pretty, I would say pretty segregated, you know, you've got white churches, black churches, then you, of course, you have that one church, you know, and yeah. I'm sure every big Southern city has the, the mixed church with the black associate pastor <laughs> or the mixed race associates. Look it. They've got a baby that's half white, half black. We're so forward thinking. Um, yeah, I will say, uh, humbly and almost like, like just keeping it real. I think it's hard for me to try to date a black woman. I wasn't exposed to black women until I was in my thirties. Um, there's a lot of cultural nuances that I, I'm, I'm still unlearning and understanding. And, and even just, just the idea 
uh, of like how to like it's almost like I created this thing in my mind of like well when I approach a black woman there's a certain way I have to approach her it's like this new different I didn't think that when I went here's how bad American social conditioning is I didn't ever look at one Muslim girl in the Middle East and go there's a special way I got to approach her Arab Muslim women olive skin black hair I never once was like, I got to approach them differently. But when I sit with a black woman, I, I'm like, oh, shoot, uh, 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 I'm not black enough. Oh, you know, uh, I find myself almost trying to play a character rather than just still being my authentic self. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like that's that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I, I, I've told this to one of my one of my really good friends, uh, Casey, she'll, she'll appreciate me being honest and sharing this, but I told her, I said, the other thing is when you become a, a moderately successful man, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be some hexamillionaire or anything like that yet. Um, but I know that I have enough success to, to never, never suffer in society again. And with that, and just even being here in Arizona, where there are quite a few mixed race or, or black men uh, who are successful, so I'm able to surround myself with these dudes. Uh, again, I'll say most are dating white women. And I talk about my homegirl, Casey, who, who's African-American. And we talk about this a lot, that it's also this symbol of society, of status, of I've arrived. I have the, the beautiful, white, curvaceous woman. I got it. I'm there. So I don't know. I think where I'm at in my life right now is still unlearning and deconstructing a lot of that. I've been single and not dating for almost uh, nine months. So I'm, I'm not not trying to go out and date. Uh, I'm just more on doing me and like, understanding why I have certain attractions or why I, I don't pursue certain things. And, and really just in this, this pivotal moment of, again, I'm looking for one person, one. So whoever she is, we're going to have to work through some shit. You know, I got my trauma. She got her trauma. I got my success. She's going to have her success. She's going to have her baggage. I've got my baggage. It's like, all right, Let's unpack all of this and, and start laying everything out and figuring things out. But that's where I'm at in terms of dating one person. That's it. My mindset is like, I don't want to keep meeting new people. One person. I understand that. I've, yeah. I've said that before. Like, I'm tired of the temporary faces. Like, yeah. I'm just done, which is the reason why I'm not dating. Yeah. But yep. what I what I am curious about, like when it comes to the black woman, do you feel like your view was from your own perceptions or things that you have heard? Because I know a lot of men, especially in the area we are in Arizona, they just avoid black women because they hear things. Black women challenge them in a way that they don't want to be challenged. So they would rather kind of just like stay away. And, and what is it for you? What was your reasoning for why you reacted that way when it comes to the, the black woman? Um, one, again, I'll say, I, I think I knew two black women from birth till 28. Like that's how many black women I, I engaged with or even encountered in, in the societies I was living with. Because when I lived in North Carolina, I lived in a place called Pinehurst Southern Pines, which is very old, white money, uh, very small minority population there. I only lived there because my, my military base wasn't too far from it. Um, I think ultimately with the Black women, I think it's less about what society's conditioned me for and more of one, 
I didn't, I had to reconcile my own blackness at, at 30 years old uh, before I could even consider, you know, being with somebody who is of similar, you know, flavor uh, that I am. Uh, I think the second one is the intimidation of, of if I, I think again, I, I think it's easier for me to go home and I, I'm going to say it and this, it is what it is. It's easier for me to go home to a rich white girl's dad and shake this mildly racist man's hand and, and know that I can win his trust and respect than to go home to a black girl's family and not know how to navigate and, and maybe not know all the, all the right old school songs or the little things that show your blackness. You know, uh, I remember the first time I ate uh, collard greens or any Southern type food was in the military. And I remember like getting my tray of food and being like, what is this? It's like this corn mash, this green mash, this cornbread. You know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm from Yuma, Arizona, man. Like, <laughs> like what, what is this Southern food? What do they put on my plate? Um, so I think for me, there's there's just a lot, a lot of of humility, a lot of of embarrassment that I would have to go. I really. I don't know how to define being black or blackness, but I, all I can tell you is I don't really understand my own blackness sometimes. Uh, when I was going to the clubs, women would come up to me, approach me, and be like, oh, what's up? You look so good. This, and I, I would get nervous. Like, why are, you, why are you talking to me? Why are you so damn aggressive? And it's like, <laughs> oh, because I'm a black man at a table full of black men and this woman likes black men, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> like, duh, All right. this black woman saw a table full of black men who might look successful. And she said hello to one of them. And it happened to be me. And I'm just like, uh, thrown off. So I don't know, you know, may maybe who knows, who knows what, what the Lord has for me. <laughs> Are you like, at this point, I'm open to whatever? hundred percent. Look, look, it's, I want to know about your relationship with your dad, your relationship with the spirit. I want to know about your, your finances, your fitness, those things. That's what matters to me. The color of your skin, it, it has no bearing. It, it's, it's the, the depth of your soul. That's what I'm looking for. I need that one person who understands me and, and I understand her and that we can form that, that business partnership that, you know, obviously has some, some better perks than the traditional business partnership. So have you found yourself, um, you, you mentioning that, you know, you dating the majority of Caucasian women, have you always found yourself like naturally comfortable with them, but spiritually yeah. uncomfortable? Ooh, have you ever good. came across someone who you were spiritually comfortable with, but maybe not like naturally, this is different for me. Oh, um, yeah, I'll say a couple <laughs> times. So, wow, that's, that's a good one. Um, I, I would say uh, on the Caucasian woman's side, it's just, it has been comfortable. It's, you know, I grew up uh, in a small town. I was in the FFA. I was in future farmers of America, you know, like, not a lot of colored folk there. Um, uh, so for me, it just became natural. Like I, I ride horses, I shoot guns, I hunt deer. It puts me around a certain type of, of individual for the most part. And I know in the South, there's a lot of country folk, a lot of women who might be listening to this going, hold up now. You know, I do those same <laughs> things. But again, I didn't grow up around that. I think 
I think my environment really played a big part on, on who I gravitate towards naturally. Um, I would say that the, the most spiritual women that I've, I've engaged, regardless of their race, have all actually been women who were either Muslim or Christian, who kind of took off those titles and have developed their own sense of spirituality, integrating it with whatever other meditative practices or just getting out into the nature like that to me is is the vibe that I like so again but even with that okay let's just be real I'm gonna go out on a hike in Costa Rica what's the likelihood of me seeing a a non-Caucasian woman in that environment it's low you know um so for me, a big part of my, my, my dating outside of traditional American norms was when I lived in the Middle East for three, four years, and I started engaging, you know, Middle Eastern women. And even there, I've got, look, I'm not, uh, I love Lebanon, I love all my friends there, but I have a lot of Christian Lebanese friends that I've started hanging out in, in places like Hamra or, and anybody who knows Lebanon will, will know these names, you know, I've been to Dahie, I've been to Baalbek with, um, Muslim friends and even like my Christian Lebanese friends would be like, Randy, it, what are you doing? It's almost like, like I resonated with them because especially the Shia Muslims of Lebanon, I really feel like they're like the African-Americans of America. They're, they're the forgotten class of people that even now that they have money or they have education, they have social status. It's still this like, oh, they're the other. Um, so I was able to engage with that, resonate with them there straight from there, I moved here to Scottsdale, you know, and I haven't dated a lot in Scottsdale. Uh, you know, I've had a couple girlfriends in the last, uh, three years I've been here, but both, both women that I've dated three women, I've dated three women, uh, all three were, were just, were, were like a vibe. They were like the spiritual, like I, I go, I go with like what my spirit says kind of person. I would say none of them really very educated on the Bible or faith or religion in terms of Christianity or anything like that. Just very like, yeah, I just, I vibe out. Uh, I, I think where I'm at right now, I do need somebody who's a little bit more into just being a vibe and uh, definitely a, a little more grounded in her faith. Again, vision, purpose as I grow and walk into my authentic self. I just want to, again, as the Bible says, you know, don't be unequally yoked. I'm simply saying that I want to be with somebody who lives a similar lifestyle as I do. I no longer go to the clubs and bars and I don't get drunk. And I'd like to be with somebody who made that decision on her own, who didn't see me and go, I'm going to change that for him. I don't want to change anybody. And I think that's where I walk into people's lives they put together their best resume, as we all do. Again, business. Mm-hmm. I right. put up my resume. They put up their resume. But then when you give me a resume, I'm going to start holding you accountable to it. Could I hold myself accountable to my resume? My resume says I will always provide and protect. And I will. And I'm 40 years old. And I started going on dates when I was 15 years old. And I was poor. I was poor and going on dates. I never split a bill with a woman. Never. Never. Let me say that again. I've never split a bill with a woman on a date. Never. And I never will. Again, how alpha are you? How like men, y'all talk about being alpha. You talk about having it, prove it. Right. Prove it. I, I, I took a woman out on a date a quarter mile from my house. She lived 35 minutes away. 
I went and picked her up and took her to the restaurant a quarter mile from my house and took her home. Because to me, again, that's what a man does. Be consistent. Be who you be. Don't talk about masculine energy. Don't talk about uh, how you want this divine feminine, this woman that's bad and bougie and sexy and modest and all this, and you can't pay for a, a $35 meal. You can't, you can't pick her up. You can't open her door. Uh, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> and if you can't like be honest with yourself, I feel like a lot of, yes. and maybe it's the ego and the pride. I get it. You know, a man doesn't want to look like weak or that he can't do something, but still, if you can't just keep it real, I will yep. respect you more for keeping it real than trying to cover up. And like you said, doing all this talking, but yep. I need, you want me to meet you at the location that doesn't work for me. No, that ain't a date. <laughs> That's not a no, date. It's not. That's what I say. I and you know, I, I won't date a liberal woman. I'll say that. That's my that's my other thing. I won't date an atheist. I won't date somebody who's wildly left progressive liberal. That's just me. I came from nothing. I'm living a good life. I believe that we'll empower black and brown people, not through telling them that they can't, but by creating pathways that they can. Um, but yeah, to your point, it ain't a date. If it doesn't look like a date, it doesn't feel like a date it ain't a date you know right. like that's a that's a, a business happy hour at best right a business you know? happy hour. that really yeah. what it is yeah and, and you're and to your point there look my my most recent relationship I told her when we first started dating I'm doing good in life I just invested everything into my business I don't have that much extra money right now I don't have money to be gallivanting all over the world like you've seen me do. So she's looking at me going, this, this dude's living all over the world, living his best life. And I said, I quit work a year and a half ago and I'm living off of passive income while launching my business. And again, that woman said, cool, got it, check, no problem. Let's buy groceries, let's cook meals together. So, you know, flipping that coin over, I think it's just as a man, just be authentic, be, be real with where you're at in life. I'm not saying that you have to be somebody that, that can always pay. I just, if I've ever gone out in my life, I've always paid. That's a, a thing that was instilled in me as a, as a young man. Um, but when I can't afford stuff, I also say it. That's not in my budget right now. I'm, I'm building something new. And when you're building, you can't be buying. So it's very important to have that honesty. Well, Randy, I really appreciate you taking out the time with me today. Um, before we end, I just want to ask you, do you have any like final thoughts, any advice for the young men in dating or just in life in general, or even for the women listeners? I do want to say, so I recently looked at my analytics. I have a lot of viewers in Vietnam, Korea, Canada, Kenya. I have international listeners. So I just want to take this opportunity to say shout out to all the international listeners Hopefully you guys can understand me pretty well. I guess you do because you tune in every single time. So we do have listeners from all around the world. So any, you know, final advice from a wonderful international man himself that yes. can offer anything, men or women? Um, yes. So to everybody, be authentic, uh, understand what your values and your vision are, be truthful in, in those and in everything that you do have some humility, have lots of grace and, and hold a standard. First, hold yourself to a very high standard, whatever that is, whatever your culture is, wherever you're at in the world, live your standard 
and then start asking the universe or God or whomever or whatever it is to bring you that partner who's also living that same standard. I think for myself, why almost all of my relationships have failed, I always blame one person, myself. All of my past girlfriends were great women who saw the greatness in me, but I was still working on my shortcomings. Um, and it wasn't until my last relationship and these last seven, eight months where I just went into, I went into hustle mode on myself, the same way I go into hustle mode in business. And I've hustled to regain my fitness, hustled to regain my wellness, hustled to regain my speech and how I communicate with, with a woman and, and just living out my truth. So my, my final closing thoughts are, you're looking for one person. We talk, talk about relationships. That's what we're here to talk about. You're trying to find one person, narrow that scope. Don't be so broad, narrow that scope, live the scope that you've narrowed to, and then start working towards that prayer, that manifestation of that person in your life. That's where I'm at. And I'm hoping to find that person soon, sooner than later. I love that. And I really believe you will because you're focused. You're at a place of peace. So thank you so much again, Randy, for joining my podcast episode. I really appreciate having you and you being here. If anyone listening would like to connect to Randy um, on any level, I would definitely link all of his information in the description below on how to get in contact with him, as well as more information on Mission Ladder and all these wonderful things. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Share the Glow and we will catch you guys next time. Yeah.